Chapter Twenty of Taking the Bastille by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Trio of Love. Without knowing who was helping her, Andrea began to recover consciousness, but instinctively she knew help had come. At length, with open but ghostly eyes, she stared at Charny without yet recognizing him. She pushed him away with a scream then. The queen averted her eyes, although she ought to have played the woman's part of comforter. She cast off her sister instead of supporting her. "'Pardon her, my lady,' said Charny, again taking his wife in his strong arms. "'But something out of the way causes this. My lady is not subject to fainting fits, and this is, I believe, the first time she has had one in your presence.' "'She must have felt much pain.' returned the queen, going back to her first impression that Andrea had overheard them. "'No doubt,' said the Count. "'And you might let me have her carried to her own rooms.' The queen rang a bell, but at the first tinkle Andrea stiffened in a convulsion and screamed in delirium. "'Oh, how The queen shuddered to hear the name, and the astonished Count placed his wife on a sofa. The servant who ran at the call was dismissed. Queen and nobleman looked at each other as the sufferer seemed with closed eyes to have another fit. Charny, kneeling by her, had hard work to keep her on the lounge. "'I think I know this name,' said Marie Antoinette, "'from its not being the first time the Countess has used it.' But as though the recollection was a menace— Andrea opened her eyes and made an effort by which she stood up. Her first intelligent glance was fondly upon Charny, who was now upright, as if this involuntary manifestation of her mind was unworthy her Spartan soul. She turned her gaze only to meet the queen's. She bowed at once. "'Good heavens! What is the matter?' inquired the Count. "'You alarm me.' for you are usually so brave and strong to be prey to such a swoon. Such dreadful things have happened at Paris where you were, that if men are trembling at them, women may be excused for fainting. I am so glad you came away from the city. Is it on my account that you felt so ill? queried the noble. Why, certainly, Count said marie antoinette as the lady made no sound why do you doubt it the countess is not a queen she has a right to be afraid for those she loves oh madame rejoined charny perceiving jealousy in the slur i am sure that the countess feels more fear for her sovereign than for herself still why do we find you in the swoon in the next room inquired the royal lady i cannot tell for i am ignorant but in this life of fatigue and terror led these three days a woman's fainting is natural enough meseems true said the queen knowing that andrea could not be driven out of her defences for that matter your majesty has weeping eyes retorted the countess with that recovered calmness 
which was the more embarrassing as it was pure effort of her will and was felt to be a screen over her real feelings charny thought he perceived the same ironical tone that had marked the queen speaking a while ago it is not astonishing reproved he with slight sternness to which his voice was unaccustomed that a queen should weep who loves her people and knows that their blood had flowed happily god hath spared yours said andrea as coldly and impenetrably as ever but her majesty is not in question we are talking about you you have been frightened i frightened you cannot deny you were in pain has some mishap befallen you is there anybody you want to complain of this gilbert whom you mentioned for example did i utter that name said andrea with such a tone of dread that the count was more startled by the outcry than by the swoon strange for i did not know it till the king mentioned it as that of a learned physician freshly arrived from america i believe and who was friendly there with general lafayette they say he is a very honorable man concluded andrea with perfect simplicity then why this emotion my dear said the queen you spoke this gilbert's name as though it were wrung from you by torture very likely when i went into the royal study i beheld a stern man clad in the grim black who was narrating the most sombre and hard things with frightful realism the murders of flacella and lunai i was frightened and dropped insensible i may have spoken in my spell and the name of gilbert would be uttered it is likely said charny evidently disposed to let the discussion drop at least you are recovered now completely i have only one thing to entreat said the queen to her life guardsman go and tell the generals to camp where their troops are stationed and the king will issue orders to-morrow the count bowed but darted an affectionately anxious look on andrea which the queen remarked will you not return to the king with me inquired she of the countess oh no replied the latter eagerly i beg leave to retire oh the king has been pleasant but you would rather not see him again i understand you may go and let the count carry out his instructions she glanced at the lord as much as to say return soon and his look replied as soon as possible andrea with a heaving and oppressed bosom watched her husband's movements but as soon as he had disappeared her forces failed her and the queen had to run to her with these smelling salts as she sank on a stool apologizing for the breach of etiquette in sitting in the royal presence the feeling between the pair was strange the queen seemed to have affection for her attendant and the latter respect for her mistress but they were like enemies at times you know dear countess 
that etiquette is not made for you but you have nothing to say to me about this dr gilbert whose sight made so profound an impression on you the woman had reflected in an instant whatever the relation between the queen who was suspected of having paramours and the king perhaps not so gullible as he looked marie antoinette might draw from her royal consort the particulars of the mesmeric trance in which gilbert had thrown the lady of charny better her relation than the king's with the energy of lunacy she ran from one door to another fastened them all and when assured that nobody could hear or see she flung herself on her knees before her mistress save me in heaven's name save me she wailed and i will tell you everything end of chapter twenty recording by john van stan savannah georgia